just, I love this time of year and it's, I love looking to, towards Christmas. The weather's cool. It was 19 this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's have, a, let's have a cheer for Jesus for making the weather nice for us. And, um, but we, Bruce and I are going to be going, I'm going to be preaching the next two weeks. Bruce is preaching on the 15th, but we're going to be preaching out of Isaiah 9. Uh, which is one of the prophetic pictures of Jesus. There's over 300 prophetic pictures uh, or prophecies of Christ. It's one of the main ways we know that uh, the, the truth and the validity of the Bible, that one person fulfilled all those prophecies. I've got a, a mathematical equation here, um, which Rom assured me that, that was right. So one person fulfilling the eight prophecies of Christ is one in one, we don't even know what that number is, Quadrillion. It's a, it's a lot of zeros there. One person, Jesus, fulfilling forty-eight prophecies is one to in cha- sorry one chance in ten to the to the hundred and fifty-seventh power. So one hundred and fifty-seven zeros. Okay, that's a lot. Okay, but Jesus fulfilled three hundred prophecies. That's it's 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 I wouldn't say it's impossible because it did happen in Jesus Christ. But that is an incredible, incredible picture that one person in 33 years fulfilled everything that the, that the previous Old Testament spoke about him. And there's this thing I learned early on in Bible college is that the Old, Test- is that the, the Old Testament conceals Christ. So you have to search out the scriptures for him, but the New Testament reveals Christ. And, uh, and I think it's a great way of looking that as you read through your Bible and if, as you, if you get stuck on Leviticus or Deuteronomy and you're like, why do I care that this person washes this person's feet and this animal's killed and all of this kind of thing that goes on in the Bible, it all points towards Jesus Christ. And the, the, the amazing um, power of prophecy in, in the Jewish culture is that they, they kept looking forward to the Savior King. And that is what we're talking out of Isaiah 9 today. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Isaiah, or if you're American, Isaiah. I love this fan on me, but I know it's going to blow my Bible. Isaiah 9 verse 2. Incredible prophetic pictures. Isaiah 53 is another one, which if you go read it, you would think that it was written after the crucifixion of Christ. But it was written 700 years before Jesus died on the cross. And it just speaks about how he was beaten for our, he was made, uh, sorry, he was beaten so we could be made whole. It speaks about exactly what happened on the cross. Psalm 22 is another one. It speaks about who Jesus is. And these are, these are almost prophetic markers that happened throughout the Old Testament as they looked forward to Jesus Christ. And as we look forward to Christmas in a small way, they, they looked forward for hundreds and thousands of years to the Savior King, this God-man that's going to come and dwell amongst us. In Isaiah 7.14, it says, you'll be given a son, and that, son will, that, that a, a, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. That is a sign that the Redeemer of Israel, that the Redeemer of the whole world is on his way. We live this side of eternity. We live this side of Jesus having completed his work on the cross and inaugurated the kingdom and we're beginning to see God's kingdom rule day in, day out, in and through specifically the local church. Amazing that we get to be part of the side of eternity. Imagine we were put 2,000 years before Jesus. We'd be longing for him. There's so many pictures the, how the Israelites came out, of, uh, came out of captivity into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan, uh, the, sorry, they, they crossed the, the Red Sea, they crossed the Jordan, which is a picture of baptism. 
Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. It's, it's, it's going from the old into, new, into the new. It's God who's rescuing mankind. And uh, this is this prophecy, what they're looking forward to. So Isaiah 9 verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Can you say great light? Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, say deep darkness, on them light shone. And then it just goes to speak about how crazy excited they are. But if you think this was a time of deep darkness, and what I've realized with Jesus is that the the darker humanity gets, that's, you know, Jesus is coming. There's, There's a redeemer coming. In the darkest part of England's history, God raised up John Wesley, he, he, he raised up uh, George Whitfield, he raised up these itinerant preachers that literally turned England on its head. It was, the, England was turning into absolute debauchery, but they came and they preached the gospel. They were kicked out of the institutionalized church, but they preached the gospel and lives were changed and the kingdom of God was, was moved and, and expanded. I believe we're in something of that time tomorrow, at, at the moment. We're living in a time where there's, there's in many ways, in different directions that you look, there's deep darkness. And Jesus is the one that always brings light and always shines and always brings redemption. Um, if you look at the context of this, it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, the light has shone. There was the Syrians and the Assyrians, basically everyone was just attacking northern Israel. So they come out of this, t- this time where, they, where they're being battered and they're being bruised. They had a, they had a, a horrible king called King Ahaz. He, he kind of led the, the country into idol worship. He wasn't a good king like David. And, and they come and then Isaiah prophesies into that, but he also prophesies about a future coming king, which is Jesus Christ, which we are looking back, really looking forward to the second coming. It's amazing how we're always looking forward and we always have hope. God gave the Israelite people hope. He gives us as his followers of Jesus hope for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where he's going to come riding on a white horse, set everything right. And his government is going to come and rule and reign on, on this planet. What an amazing thing we have to look forward to. We're going to rise again with him in our resurrected bodies. And, and there's gonna, the world's gonna, it's going to be new heaven and a new earth that is going to come. It's just amazing we get to be part of that. Yeah, cool. That's why we need to tell everyone about Jesus because it's not, it's not a club. It's, uh, we had to reach people for Jesus. He had 400 silent years, then Jesus came. And there's many secular versions of this. You have Mandela who redeemed uh, South Africa from, from oppression in many ways. You have uh, Martin Luther King Jr. who was this spokesman. Uh, there's a book written about him. It says how preaching changed America. But how he went and he preached the gospel and he preached uh, equal rights for all. And he, and he changed America. He was obviously lost his life in, in, in the course of that thing. And when we see those pictures, it's almost Christ-like pictures, but it's small and it's temporary and it's, and it's redeeming the parts of the world that we need to see redeemed, but Jesus is gonna come and set everything right. Every injustice, every form of racism, everything is gonna be set right when Jesus comes, but we keep moving his gospel forward in that place. It says, for unto us, verse six, a child is born, a son is given. Now this is the most Christmas Scripture, okay, we, we even sing songs about it. There's been thousands of song, songs written, but it says, it speaks about God coming. It says, a, a child is born. So there's the humanity of Jesus, and then a son is given. It sounds a lot like John 3, 16, hey? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
And it's amazing that there's this picture that the Holy Spirit, it sounds like he's repeating. And if you read it quickly through, it sounds like, oh, it's just poetic language. But it's very specific. A child is born and a son is given. And a son was the son of man. The son of God was given to earth. He came and dwelt in the form of a baby. He grew up in a very poor, obscure town in a forgotten part of Israel. And he got, and he got raised up. He raised up 12 people around him. And you think, that's not the recipe to change the world. But in Jesus' eyes it was. And it did completely change the world. That within 300 years, Christianity was so like the yeast inside the dough that it completely changed the Roman Empire. From being a pagan, uh, worshipping uh, nation, that empire, to a Christian worshipping, to Jesus worshipping. Amazing. That obviously came with a whole lot of its own issues, but the church changed things, and we can do it again. There's an amazing story in Luke 15, you can write it down, but it just speaks of Jesus who... He's telling a story and he's sitting with tax collectors and sinners. Now, can you imagine in those days the Pharisees would not associate with tax collectors or sinners, which is you and me, okay? Let's just be honest. We all fall short of the glory of God. The Pharisees, the religious of the day, wouldn't hang out with you and I. But Jesus went and sat in the middle of that crowd. And he says, I leave the 99 to find the one. And he goes and he puts us on his shoulders and he brings us back to him. And he pulls us back to him and he, and he, and he, makes, he makes a way for us and he, he forgives us. And there's an amazing um, scripture where Peter's, Peter's asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven, seven times. And Peter's like, oh, wow. If I can forgive someone seven times when they sinned against me, Jesus returns to him and says 70 times seven, which is, is not really 490. It's way more than that. It's just like when your brother or sister sins against you, forgive and you forgive, and you forgive us, because the Father in heaven has forgiven us, and we mess up, yet he forgives us, and we mess up, and yet he forgives us, and we're just modeling who Jesus is, the son was given, and it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, quick little side note, we, uh, it is national day weekend, and we live in an incredible country with incredible leaders uh, that, that allow church to happen across this nation. Um, it could be the opposite. And so I want to just spend a few seconds. If we could just, the Bible says we must pray for our leaders. And at 1 Timothy 2 says we must pray so we can live a peaceful and godly life so others can be saved. It works in our favor. So let's pray. So Father, we thank you for this government that, that rules this city and this nation, Sheikh Mohammed. And Sheikh Muhammad of Abu Dhabi, Father, we thank you for them. We thank you, God. We pray for your blessing on them. We pray for wisdom as they lead a whole nation, a very, uh, just completely expat and some, lots of locals. And it's just this, this mixing, melting pot of different nations, Father. I pray that you'd give them wisdom and favor in Jesus' name. Amen. It was amazing. Was it... Um, when Bianca and Alex were here, they asked who has influence or kind of indirect or direct influence with the governments in the city. And so many hands put up in like small, small church. It's amazing. In that meeting, it was like there was about five or six people that put their hands up. And I think that's amazing that God has placed people in this city lights to reach those in high places. It says in verse 6, talking about Jesus, and the government will rest on his shoulders. God's government is going to supersede every government. That's why he's called the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. He, he inaugurated it. He started it 2,000 years ago when he died and he was resurrected 
from the dead. But there's a, there's a time coming where Jesus is going to rule over every nation completely. And that's going to be an, an incredible thing to see. Um, you do know that he is sovereign and does rule over everything anyway. But God's working out his plan. And he's actually using the church to bring that about. Um, it says, uh, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I love that, uh, that picture that speaks about the, that his government and his peace will have no end. So we know that if there's a good government that's in place, if you're from uh, wherever you're from, Australia, South Africa, anywhere in Europe, England, America, uh, Jamaica, wherever you're from, if there's, if there's good government in place, you want that president to stay in for a while. You're like, cool, at least, if it's America, it's two terms, at least do two terms, um, and you don't want them to leave because they're doing, they're doing the country well. But then if there's a bad government, you want them to leave as soon as possible. You're like, really, four or five years? I mean, in South Africa, I think we've been counting for how many years? We just, we, there needs to be a change. Mugabe, come on, let's, they've got some Zimbabweans here. Who else is from Zimbabwe? You guys are happy now, am I right? Yes. There's obviously lots of stuff that needs to happen into the future. But let's pray for, let's pray for Zimbabwe. If you've got a Zimbabwean around you, put your hand on them. Put your hands up. Nigel at the back. Father, we thank you for an incredible country. Father, your word says that the, that the church will be the house of prayer for all nations. And we pray over Zimbabwe and we pray restoration, God. We pray for good government. We pray, Lord Jesus, that from this time forevermore, God, there'd be a God-fearing man or woman that comes in and starts to lead that country, Father. We pray that you'd restore it to your original intention. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. It's a good time to invest there now, apparently. <laughs> but if there's a bad president, like I've said, you're like, when are they going to leave? But Jesus, the best king of all kings with the greatest government ever, says that his government is never going to come to an end. It's just going to get better and better. For eternity, we're going to have Jesus as our leader, king of all kings. And we're going to look at him and he's going to be um, he's the everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace, wonderful counselor. He's going to be known by those things. So what, is a, what does a government look like? And this is paraphrased from a guy called Gail Irwin. And he says, what does God's government look like? Number one, he will be a king. Politicians of this day look, look for what they can get from you. Jesus looks for what he can do for you. Leaders of this day surround themselves with servants. Jesus surrounds us with his servanthood. Leaders today build their empire. Jesus uses his power to wash our feet and make us clean. Incredible. Just that says that the meek will inherit the earth. The meek is actually strength under control. And God is the God of the universe, yet came and he washed people's feet. Amazing, amazing. Um, leaders today trade their influence for money, for God so loved that he gave. Generals of this day need regular wars to keep their weapons and skills up to date and ensure their own advancement. But Jesus brings peace and rest to our hearts. Leaders today are desperate to be seen and heard. Jesus sought an, an anonymity so it could be useful. Jesus was always on the back. He, he wasn't wanting to be seen. God exalted him and, and, and used him powerfully, but he wasn't there to try to be seen. 
It's this upside-down kingdom, which I've spoken quite a bit about. It's, it's the opposite to the ways of this world. And John 18, 36 says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would, would now be fighting, that I might be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. We serve a king who's bringing his kingdom that is so different to this world. And we get to be part of it. We get to be partakers. His government is going to bring peace. It brings peace now into our hearts. We, the amazing thing is, as a follower of Jesus, that we, Bruce, is, I think we'll preach on the Prince of Peace. I'm not going to take too much from it. But we have, to, we have the privilege of, of having this undergirding peace no matter what circumstance we're going through. Sometimes we have to fight for it more than others. But we can be the ones when we're persecuted and there's stuff against us, we can be, Jesus is on my side. Cool. There's going to be justice and righteousness. And, uh, and I love hearing stories. Who's heard of A21? It's, uh, they're abolishing modern slavery in the 21st century. And when I hear stories of these guys getting arrested who were, who were taking uh, women and men and making them modern day slaves across the world, and they get arrested and they get like lifetime in jail and whatever it is, there's something inside of me like, yes, justice has been done. And Jesus is, he sees those things and he's using the church to bring change, but there's going to come a time where, where Jesus and God's ultimate justice is going to be on display. And it's going to be very scary for some, but actually incredibly freeing for others, those who put their faith in Christ Jesus. God's governance extends person by person. Like I said earlier, we're not here for ourselves. We exist for others. So whether you're a lawyer, hairdresser, doctor, banker, a teacher, what are you, Tara? You're sales something. Sales something. And uh, whatever you are, God, you, the call on your life and, and, the, and the destiny on your life is to, is to display Christ to others, the goodness of who Jesus is. And as we do that, his kingdom advances person by person, little by little. Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you see righteousness, peace, and joy, you know that the kingdom of God has come and is coming into people's lives. My final point is that Jesus, about his governance, is that he has a borderless kingdom. There's a, I'm going to quote Gail Irwin again, and he says this, So indeed, the government is alive and working, talking about Jesus. Often silently, mostly unseen, we can be and are by choice governed by God. Hope and joy and peace rest and rest cover its subjects. Justice, mercy and grace amazingly coexist. I like this kingdom. The borders are open. Come on in. The kingdom of God does not have closed borders. We live in a time where borders are being closed in the States, across Europe, um, because of the, the whole migrant uh, refugee crisis that is happening. It's just uh, the, the borders of the kingdom of God are open to everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and follow him with their whole heart. Final verse, Ephesians 3.10, it says, His intent was that now through the church, say through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be, able to, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God uses the church, to extend his kingdom and kingdom rule. There's going to be a time, which is prophesied here, which we're going to see as followers of Jesus, where God is going to rule over the new heavens and the new earth. 
God is sovereign. He's working out his plan, but he's using his church. His intent was that now, through the church, the saints of God have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We get to be partakers of his kingdom and extend his kingdom. So can we stand to our feet? Mario, if you wouldn't mind coming, and the band. When we care for widows, orphans, when we pray for the sick, when we pray his kingdom come, when we preach the gospel, when we live in community and when we are sacrificial serving one another, that is when the kingdom of God begins to move. And I think the story of Christmas can be a great story and I could get up and just tell you a whole bunch of stuff about the wise men and all that they do and and, uh, the shepherds and all of these things just play a certain part in, in the gospel. But at the end of the day, it needs to change our hearts. That God's government of the universe begins to come and govern us right now. That it doesn't stop with, uh, at a story, but it actually begins to change our heart. This is the story of the gospel. Let's pray together, and then we're going to sing a song. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, for your word that, that completely and utterly changes us and molds us and makes us more like you. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness over us, Lord Jesus. And your power, Father. Just I, I pray, Lord God, that this morning, as we as we are looking forward to, to Christmas and this time with family, and Lord God, that, that the focus would be you, Jesus. That our hearts would be set on you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Amen. Are we ready to sing? We're gonna sing a song and then we're gonna land so awesome